Hello and welcome to No More Questions. Thank you for choosing to spend this time with me. My name is Clémence Ribora and I'm so pleased to introduce you to our show. As you may already know, No More Questions is your weekly journalism show where we discuss some of the most interesting developments and debates in the industry and where I prompt experienced, renowned and award-winning editors and media personalities to share what makes a truly great interview. Today, as promised in the past few weeks, so much so that you've probably grown sick of hearing it at the end of each episode, we're going to be talking about varsity. For normal questions and radio, I was on the ground at football, rugby and badminton, interviewing players and officials and capturing the sounds of each game. While playing all the materials that I have would take too much of your time to be really enjoyable and you'd probably grow sick. Um, of hearing UCL guys chant that they'd rather be at Soas than at Kings by like extract number three, I'm going to play some of the recordings for you today. And that is also the occasion to talk about the latest news in sports reporting and about the future of No More Questions ahead of our final episode of the period next week. But first up, Varsity. The first game that I reported on was, as I've mentioned, football. And it was really, really fun to be on the pitch talking, well, on the pitch is a big word, pitch side, um, talking to the players and in the stands, talking to supporters, you know, standing around on stands, whatever, it was really fun. Um, I did like probably between half a dozen and 10 interviews there. Mostly, um, I always mostly ask the same questions, but it was really interesting to hear that everyone talked about the same things with team spirit and how supportive the crowds were, both for Kings and for UCL and how it was so like such a propeller for them on the field and it was just really fun. So anyway, you'll see, these are two of those interviews. How are you today? I'm great, I'm amazing. This is the day I've been waiting the whole year for yeah. and it's all come together. Are you proud to have your team here today? I'm super proud of my team. They've had some obstacles this season, but they've pushed through, they've trained hard. We've got cheer here supporting them. We've got all our girls coming. We've got the men's team coming and London bleeds red tonight. Yeah, what's your expectation for the match tonight? KCL, both games. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. How do you feel? Amazing. We have the best goalie out there. So many good shooters. Let's go. I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good. Congratulations. How did it feel being on the field today? Pumped, nervous, but we won. We always win three years in a row, baby. What do you want to say to the men's team? Uh, you guys better win. You better match the energy so we can have a fucking rager after. Any words for radio? Um, yes, thank you for all the support. Honestly, it was a tough game, but everyone really pulled through at the end. The energy, the amount of effort, the amount of work that we put in as well leading to this moment, it's been absolutely fantastic. Well done. How did you feel about the people in the stands tonight? Honestly, love it. We really needed the crowd. Fantastic that they turned up. The energy was through the roof. Honestly, 10 out of 10 love for everyone in the stands supporting us. Thank you. Good game. Congratulations. Thank you. Who you just had are Myra, the president of the Kings Women's Football Club and some of the players that were playing on Friday, including my flatmate. So shout out to my flatmate. Um, as you can imagine though, and as is sadly preluded in this audio where they say that they hope that the guys bring it home, 
even though they didn't I didn't only witness wins this weekend um because then like obviously that same night Kings lost the men's game and then it was a whole different mood but in the words of one of the Kings players I talked to that night um he said having the better team which he thinks we did matters but it doesn't always prevail and if you're thinking that doing pitch side interviews is probably or like must be terribly awkward and that you'd like to never ever ever do it um well first of all welcome to my world um thank you for your concern and also like let's be real for a second um nothing and when I say nothing I mean nothing is as awkward as hearing your voice back on tape when you're yelling guys guys to a group of people genuinely um luckily though sometimes it's not as crowded and so it's not as awkward to like get people's attention um like Sunday for example when I was at the badminton game and it was really fun and like for me personally being back on a court uh just because I used to do it competitively growing up but regardless it's really fun because sometimes capturing the sound of a sport rather than you know the sound of like the people cheering on or whatever can be just as interesting as those other things but also just as interesting as hearing the players themselves so just for you today this is the sound of the king's mixed doubles team training from the badminton varsity What's your name? Gunjun. How do you feel about your win today? I'm quite excited. My first varsity, my first year, so this is really fun. Yeah. What do you study? English. Cool. Is it your first year playing badminton as well? I bet not. On the Kings team? Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. oh, no, no, not in general. No. How long have you been playing? Um, maybe since I was like five or six. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you want to say to your teammates for doubles? Um, good luck to everyone, but everyone's doing so well. Everyone's playing so well. Everyone's been working hard all year, so I'm sure we're going to see some amazing results. Yeah. What do you want to say to UCL? Um, I'm really sorry, UCL, that you're not going to win. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Go Red. <laughs> This was the Kings um, women's singles one winner uh, on Sunday. Um, and I wanted to say the funny thing about having some sort of a work ethic when you do something like this and like taking what you do seriously is that sometimes, I mean, most of the times, I mean, you're kind of supposed to, is that you'll have to interview the losing team. And if you're a nice person, like it feels terrible because when it's the other team, like for example, if I had when I've had to uh, interview, when I've gone to interview UCL players off the pitch last week for Varsity, 
as a supporter, I was like, mm, you know, we won, cool. But then it feels terrible because you're asking someone how they feel about losing. And although obviously it's important to do that and like just as important doing that as asking the winner, um, me, I felt like a terrible person. I felt like I was like rubbing it in. Like, hey, how did it feel to be a loser today? No. Um, so that's why, because it makes me cringe to listen back to my voice when I'm asking those questions because I can hear that I'm feeling terrible about it. Um, you're not going to hear any interviews from like on the show today you're not going to hear me interview losers um and you're not going to hear me interview the king's men's rugby players either because although it you know you're not someone from the winning team slash school slash whatever interviewing the others because it was like they were kings and they lost um the mood on the pitch by the time that they lost after the really good um women's win that I wasn't there for the mood on the pitch was really really gloomy and it was so everyone was so dis- like not in a mean way but so disappointed that they weren't able to bring home one last win even though it wouldn't have changed the outcome of varsity obviously for me to just like run on the pitch and go ask the boys how they felt also um important to mention my hair and my clothes were drenched in beer um courtesy of UCL supporters so I was not running anywhere except home uh, I'm I will say though, I'm happy to announce that now I sort of get the rules of one more sport than I did before. And to tell you the truth, I would say two, but I feel like I can't really credit Varsity for reminding me of what football is like and what like the rules are because I mistook a free kick for a penalty when I was doing score announcements and I don't know, I feel like it should go to the World Cup, like the credit for that. Um, so anyway, I now understand 20% of what people chant when they're at a game which is 100% more than I started this varsity knowing so that's a positive and I will say like I'm putting it out there that if I'm not a BBC pundit for sports by next year I've probably done something wrong in my life and you can remind me of this in a year. Speaking of commentating and being a pundit um, before we turn our attention away from varsity completely I do want to talk about a recent news bit that you've probably at least like heard or seen a little bit about. BBC Match of the Day and World Cup presenter and football commentator and obviously ex-player um, Gary Lineker has been absent for BBC television for the last few weeks after a tweet that where he was criticising the Conservative government's refugee asylum announcements. That is because... Um, Lineker's tweets were flagged by the BBC as violating the neutrality policy by clearly expressing a political bias. Many people have taken this, like many people including other reporters from working with him and reporters in general, have taken this with a huge grain of salt considering that the head of the BBC being a supporter of Boris Johnson's government, making them argue that there's only really one political bias that's accepted while the other is punished based on neutrality that's not technically always applied. Therefore, many other hosts and pundits on Match of the Day have aligned in solidarity with Gary Lineker, announcing in the week following this news that they wouldn't be covering the show in his absence. Meanwhile, Lineker himself seems to be quite okay resting on a growing and TV and podcast production complex and company. So Gary, if by any chance you are listening to this, you already know. I've told you my plan for next year. Hire me, whatever. But what I'm really interested in though is that if you look up Gary Lineker tweets or Gary Lineker controversy, the first 
six or seven results or probably five or six results are from the bbc itself which is surely a testament to this neutrality right but i'm interested in reading you this paragraph um, from an article by bbc media and culture editor katie Rizal. it says the news agent's presenter and former bbc journalist emily maitlis said it was curious that gary lineker was free to raise questions about qatar's human rights record with the blessing of the bbc over the world cup but cannot raise questions of human rights in this country if it involves criticism of government policy however this is arguably a vast equivalence Voicing an opinion on a government policy about migrant crossings, a divisive subject, is not the same thing as highlighting well-documented human rights breaches in Qatar, something which is a matter of fact. End quote. Um, I have no horse in this race. Uh, I just really want to put that out there. And I'm not trying to be controversial on university radio, especially not when I have contacted a few months back um, sports journalists and their agents and have been given no answer. So because they're bound by a speaking fee from the BBC that sadly prevents them from speaking to other media if they can't afford them. So what I will say is that in Qatar, human rights breaches are also divisive government policies and it's easier to give an opinion about something that is not controversial to us as exterior figures than it is about talking your own country's alleged shortcomings. Regardless, I should probably have tried to email Gary Lineker's agent himself instead of going for the number two and number threes before this happened, because at least I would have a more interesting anecdote to tell you now. But to tell you the truth, what I did that um, back in th- December was that I wanted to do a show. And if you listen to episode like six or seven, I still had hope that this would happen. So I probably mentioned it in the outro. I wanted to do a show all about the World Cup and sports journalism. And I wanted to have a TV commentator or tv um sports reporter on between the moments where i started reaching out between during the world cup and now um a few things happen one france lost so as a fragile and remember newly informed about the rules supporter i kind of wanted to avoid talking about it ever again and also i couldn't have anyone on because as i said basically they all had paywalls to talk So for this Gary Lineker situation, I don't have anybody else's commentary to bring than my own. And I, I mean, obviously hoping that like a satisfying solution is found for everyone, but it should be a solution in my opinion where the neutrality of the BBC can be respected because it does matter. And it would be, you know, although some people have probably legitimate considerations of if the BBC is actually completely always neutral in its decisions which can be argued for and against neutrality is important in media landscapes and so it does matter but at the same time it's also important to respect the fact that journalists and presenters and people of the media like Lineker can have an integrity or a line of their own and that it might lie somewhere that shouldn't be too far below their employers line of their employers integrity or agenda and no matter what if i mean journalists and presenters are to a certain extent entitled to their own beliefs and views and if they come out outside of the air then there can be without even questioning morality or neutrality or opinions there can be a question of why that is necessarily the question of ethics committees and twitter think pieces but anyway if there's any development on this situation we will talk about it and that's what i'm going to be talking about it now why we're going to talk about it um because This is nearly it for today's normal questions. And before that, I have some news for you. 
um, one is that, as you will know, this is episode 16, and we still have one week and therefore one episode before the end of teaching and before I leave for a little bit. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that I really despise odd numbers, um, not in a weird way, but just, I don't know, I just think unless it's a cool one, like three or nine, um, those are my birthdays, um, so, so you know, there's no point in ending the first season of Normal Questions on an odd number. So all this to say that if everything goes according to plan, more of everything that we've been doing, um, so more interviews, more deep dives and more of all of that, Normal Questions will be back for all of that um, in the rest of the spring. But before I confirm that and before we can actually get to that after exams, our last official guest of the year is coming next Tuesday and I couldn't be more excited and if the year had to end next week I would be so happy that she was our last guest and that I was able to get a conversation in with her so without telling you her name right away I know you've heard her you've seen her before partly because she has 130 million views on TikTok and if I'm like maybe a fifth of them to be realistic that leaves still quite a good proportion to you guys so she wrote for vice world news for years she's been on the bbc more times than you or i could ever count she reports on religion health culture knowledge and she's coming on normal questions next week that is sophia smith gala and i'm so excited for you to listen to our conversation so until then next tuesday 10 a.m thank you so much for listening and i'll see you next time